Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're heard on Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday night. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world, and we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. I want to thank everybody for all the uh, calls and the emails and visits to the website that we get. I really do appreciate everybody who listens to this show, and I hope that you benefit from it. I also love to receive your comments and suggestions, so please keep sending them. It's... uh, it's terrific. You know, one of the challenges on a program like this is every week speaking about something different. So uh, all of your suggestions are greatly appreciated. We've got a very wide-ranging audience to this show, so in this segment I'd like to discuss the 15 worst mistakes that people in their 20s make. And uh, if you've grown out of your 20s, I'd still pay attention if I were you because I found a number of mistakes that I've made in this list so it's not too late to rectify them. Of course you know when you're in your 20s the best part is you can recover quickly from the inevitable mistakes you'll make as you figure out how to make it in the real world. It's quite a quite a jump from college to the workplace and even more so if you're an entrepreneur So um, there are some poor choices that have lasting effects that are easily avoidable. A study recently sorted through a variety of advice from entrepreneurs and writers on Quora and found recurring themes. So here are the worst mistakes 20-somethings would be very wise to avoid as they establish their um, professional and business lives. Firstly, and this not only applies to um, under-20s, but they think education and talent are enough to make them successful. And the reality is that, of course, that many entrepreneurs have high intelligence, natural talent, and uh, degrees from elite universities, but still in excess of 90% fail. So it's obviously not good enough to, um, to have education and talent. So all those things are good to have, of course, but um, they don't guarantee that your startup will be successful or that you will land a great job. And they mean nothing when not coupled with hard work. Sylvia de Gusto, I'm not sure how, whether I pronounced that right, the founder of Executive Image Consulting says sweat, hassle, pain, as well as diligence, perseverance, and an enormous amount of effort and energy characterize careers at this point. And I've learned that there are very few shortcuts when it comes to career success. Success doesn't just happen. You don't launch your product and people come beating a path to your door. It just hasn't happened, and it won't happen. Another big mistake is the 20-plus generation make is that they neglect their health. You know, when you're 20 or even 30 or even 40, you think you're bulletproof, but uh, you learn pretty, pretty soon that you can't party like you did at college. Your hangovers get to be so bad that um, the idea of staying out drinking all night just seems ridiculous. And the more years out of school you get, the more that you know, excessive drinking and smoking and unhealthy diets and you know, burgers, Coke and chips go from acceptable behaviour to really dangerous habits. Thirdly, the 20-plus generation don't save any money. And a recent survey found that around 70% of those aged 18 to 29 had no retirement savings at all. And I must admit, I was guilty of that. And boy, I wish now that um, I'd started putting money away 
a lot, lot of years ago and, um, you know, it makes life a lot easier as you get a bit older. You, uh, you do yourself a great disservice. I know that, you know, at 20 you probably look and say, geez, retirement's going to be 40 years away or 50 years away. That's a hell of a long time. But um, it, first of all, it goes really quickly. And secondly, that's what you need to build up a really big nest egg so that you've um, got some later on. You know, you don't have to put away a lot. But at the very least, make sure that you're in your company's uh, 401k, 401k um, matching program. And if it's available, or if one's not available, open a Roth IRA account. Both of those things are very important. Fourthly, the 20-plus generation equate happiness with money. Well, there's no question that, ha- that money does make you happier sometimes. But I know a hell of a lot of people who got a hell of a lot of money that are really bloody miserable. So, um, you know, no question that prestige and a fat paycheck can certainly make you happier. But there's plenty more to success just than just that. And you're setting, up, setting yourself up for years of regret if you pursue a paycheck rather than your passion. You know, you work for a hell of a long time, you've got to enjoy it. The fifth mistake of the 20-plus generation is that they give up when things get tough. You know, one of the things you've got to realise when you start at work, you start at the bottom, it's a hell of a long slog to get to the top. And if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're probably going to fail a couple of times. And the first startup you have, you know, the chances are about 19 in 20 that you're going to fail. So um, there's no question that ending a serious relationship or getting fired from a job or having a startup crash and burn is devastating when it happens to you for the first time. But rather than giving up or aiming for a lower target, you should use failures as opportunities to learn and improve yourself. Failure is not the end of the world. It's just the start and hopefully you would have learned a hell of a lot so that it doesn't happen Again, the sixth mistake that uh, 20 plus generation make is that, and I think this is happening more and more, they let others define them. When you're starting out in a career and unsure of which directions you want to go, you know, you can be susceptible for letting others choose your path for you. You should never let other people's opinions influence you on a personal level. Screw other people. People are, you know, most other people are wrong as well. You know, so don't let other people define where you're going to go. You know, your success is going to be about how you perceive yourself, not how others perceive you, because the way you perceive yourself is how others will perceive you. Another mistake the 20-plus generation make is that they're impatient, and I can understand that. I can understand being impatient. There's, um, you know, we all want things quicker than they come and uh, and you don't have to be a married homeowner with a 10-year career plan by the time you're 30. Step back, be patient, stay focused on the present. If you get the present right, the future's going to take care of itself. You know, many college grads come out of college, you've spent all this time just studying and you feel that, wow, i got got to achieve all these goals as quickly as I can. Well, all you're going to do is produce an anxiety-induced mindset that is going to drive you nuts. So focus on the present, get the present right, and everything will take care of itself. The eighth mistake that 20-pluses make is, in general, they try to please everyone. And when you start off in your career, it's natural. You want to make sure everybody likes you and you're on friendly terms with everybody. But at some point, you realise that some people just simply don't like you and there's going to be people that you don't like either. So um, instead of being hurt or disappointment, just say screw them and get on with what you want to achieve. That's what it's all about. And I think that when you're in your 20s, you think that... um, all your friendships that you've had are going to last forever. Well, 
you know, some of the way the world is today, some of them are going to shoot off all over the place and, uh, you know, most of them will be living their own lives, doing their own things. So you're probably not going to keep in touch with all of these people. You're going to drift apart and, uh, you know, you'll soon realise which ones are important to you and which ones aren't. So don't worry about the fact that you lose track of people. That's just part of the way that life is. The um, the tenth mistake that the twenty plus generation make is thinking that moving somewhere else is going to solve their problems. It isn't. Traveling, traveling, and living somewhere new can give you, I guess, a shot of energy initially, and it can be um, culturally enriching. Don't think that because you go somewhere else and you start again that um, your life's going to suddenly find meaning and direction. It isn't. It's not going to happen. So, you know, if, if, if you're failing in one town and you go to another, chances are unless you change what you're doing, you're going to fail again. So um, don't think that change is going to make everything suddenly Wonderful. 20 plus somethings also, and this applies to a lot of other people too, of course, create a bubble around themselves. Um, you know, it's very important to build relationships and contacts with other people within your industry. It is really critical. But don't just stay confined within this particular world because you become myopic. You know, you really need to look broad, look at everything and um, make an effort to branch out. The people you surround yourself with will have a direct impact on, impact on your success and your failure. You know, the people you surround yourself with, will affect everything from how much you exercise and what clothing you wear to how much you earn and what values you deem important. So if you want to live a life full of happiness and accomplishment, you need to become masterful at building relationships with good people that you respect and letting go of those relationships that have a negative effect. In short, if you're going to sit in front of the TV all day and uh, watch Oprah, you're going to end up being big and fat. If you surround yourself with people who are losers, you'll be a loser. If you surround yourself with people that are successful, you'll be successful. So surround yourself with the people that you want to be like and whose um, morals and, and attitude to work and all those things are ones that you want to emulate, and you will. If you're in a team of great footballers, you'll end up being a pretty good footballer. If you're in a team of bloody no-hopers, you'll end up being probably a pretty ordinary footballer. So surround yourself with people that can make your life better. Another mistake the 20th, 20s generation uh, make is that too often they see things in black and white. You know, you get caught up in absolutes. It's either dead right or dead wrong. Um, for example, some feel that um, they've got to choose between a career path that benefits them or one that benefits others without realising that self-interest does not happen to be the opposite of doing good. You know, you can do good for other people. You can assist make the world a better place and still benefit yourself and still do really well. And uh, it's actually a good way to go. It's a good thing to do. So um, don't get caught up and you have to be one or the other. Now, many in the 20-plus generation also believe that they need to look for their soulmate. There's so many people coming out of college thinking, you know, I've got to find that perfect partner and get started into life and, you know, don't work like that. First of all, you know when you meet the right person and you can't sort of plan it. And you have to work on relationships. So some people decide to spend most of their 20s single, unattached. 
others, I know kids from college who search out immediately for the right person to marry. And uh, in reality, most meaningful long-term relationships require work, dedication, sacrifice, adjustments. You've got to uh, accept other people's shortcomings and your own shortcomings. You've got to explain yourself. But that's what makes it fun. So don't go out there thinking, geez, you know, to get to get my um, piece of the American pie, I have to have all these things in place um, when I leave college or soon after. Many in the 20-plus generation also try planning years in advance. You know, it's impossible to predict where you end up. If I go back to the start of my career, I never would have predicted half of the things that I've done or half of the directions I've gone. So don't drive yourself crazy. Just go with the flow. And uh, the more set you are in um, um, setting a plan and sticking to this goal, the less you'll take um, advantage of opportunities that come along. And finally, the 20-plus generation um, realise that they, they think that they're the only ones in Australia. They think that other people are more successful than they are. Well, it's easy to think that your friends or colleagues are more successful and maybe more confident than you are, but regardless of your income or your job or your living situation, everybody is still trying to figure out life as they go along and you'll continue to do that for the rest of your life. So don't think that other people are more successful than you or more confident than you or, than you or whatever. Don't worry about them. You've got your life to live, not somebody else's. So whether you're in the 20-plus generation or no matter what age you are, really, I'm very confident that many of these misconceptions will likely apply to you and there's no time like the present to make a big change in your attitude and a resultant big change in your life. Now, if you're a company director, a manager, or an executive, you should join the American Institute of Sales, Marketing, and Management. You know, they've only got one goal, and that's to make people that are in the sales, marketing, and management business better at their job through access to information, through networking, through all sorts of um, um, training programs, etc. So, and the Institute's just joined up with a fabulous hashtag YesWeCode organisation. Now, YesWeCode are linking up with corporations, um, celebrities, major entertainers, political leaders, and their whole goal is to promote 100,000 low-opportunity youth to become high-level computer programmers. You know, I've said this on this program a million times before. It is absurd that almost 100% of Chinese high school students can write code. 100%. In America, it's about 6%. And we're in, a, we're in an area, we're in a high technology era. So we've got to lift our game. You know, in a technology-driven world, this is absolutely nuts. So I'm thrilled to be involved with um, hashtag YesWeCode and uh, through the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management. And if you want to help, and it's a fantastic cause, you think about it, a great cause, um, go to yeswecode.org, yeswecode.org. And uh, go also to the Institute site, which is aismm.us, and join now. You'll be glad that you did. Now, America, as we know, America's got serious educational problems. You know, we're rated for a land with so much opportunity and so many great colleges and, in fact, we're rated 36th in the world in tests that measure subjects like math, science and reading. You know, US performance is lousy. We're doing average in reading and science and well below average in math and a number of other things. You know, we fail to reach the top 20 in any subjects tested and we're falling behind not only our um, first world counterparts but also many second world countries. We have a major disparity in educational opportunities between the middle class and low income earners and between black and white. People of 
people of colour generally. So my guest after the break is my good friend Pamela Donnelly. Now, she's a successful entrepreneurial disruptionist in the education sector. She's built her educational services companies by inspiring the best and brightest in the field to collaborate with her to bring much-needed change to the way America does secondary education. Now, this subject is a really paramount importance to all of us, and uh, you'll love this interview with Pamela. It's, it's great. So I'm Bob Pritchard on Voice America Business Channel, and I'll be back with Pamela right after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the past four years, we've given you insights into the lives of over 220 of the world's most interesting business people. We've talked about what they do and tried to work out what it is that makes them tick. It's extremely difficult to create a successful business, and we all need all the help we can get. And that's why it's so important, and I stress this over and over and over again, to have mentors and to take on board the advice that's provided by successful people. The more successful people you have around you, the more successful you'll become, I guarantee you. Now, everybody in business faces the same challenges. We all tend to think that we've got our unique set of challenges, but it doesn't matter whether you open a dry cleaning business or whether you're building a new app. Everybody has the same challenges, and everybody thinks their products are going to have people beating a path through their door, and guess what? doesn't happen. Most entrepreneurs are experts at what they do, but the majority of businesses fail because they have no knowledge at all of the other aspects that go into making a successful business. That's why it's critical that they follow, observe and listen to those who have overcome the challenges that we all face. That's one of the reasons we have these interviews because the people we're interviewing have been through the same crap that we all go through and they've come out the other side of the tunnel very successful. So we need to listen to the advice that they give us. Now, anybody who's a devotee of logic <laughs> or of Sir Ken Robinson realises that America has a serious educational problem. In fact, we are rated 36 in the world in tests that measure subjects like maths, science and reading. 36th. It's pathetic. Now, U.S. performance is extremely low, doing very average in reading and science and well below average in math. We failed to reach the top 20 in any of the subjects tested. America fell notably below the United Kingdom and well behind all of our Asian counterparts. And we also have a major disparity in educational opportunities and performance between middle class and low income earners and between white and people of colour in America. So we've got a major problem in 
all areas of education and pretending that we're somehow this wonderful country that does nothing wrong doesn't fix the problem. My guest today is my good friend Pamela Donnelly, who's a successful entrepreneurial disruptionist. I love that. An entrepreneurial disruptionist. <laughs> I wish I had a thought of that. That's great. In the education sector. She's a best-selling author, endorsed by Larry King and Time Magazine's go-to expert in college admissions. Pamela's the founder and the CEO of Gate System LLC and Valley Prep Tutoring Services, Inc., and they're both located here in Los Angeles. Pamela graduated Columbia University in the city of New York, summer cum laude, with degrees in literature, writing, and secondary education, and has built her education services company by inspiring the best and brightest in the field to collaborate with her to bring much-needed change to the way America does secondary education. Here, here, about time. Pamela's team is bringing to life her vision for a comprehensive college admission system providing equal access to higher education for teens everywhere, regardless of socioeconomic status. Now, that's all good news, right? It's my very great pleasure to welcome Pamela to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hi, Pamela. Thank you well, for speaking Well, hey, Bob, and hi, everybody. Yeah, here we are. How are you doing? Life is beautiful, my friend. How are you? I'm good. Missed you last Saturday. I missed everybody, too. Yeah, I really love being a part of that uh, yeah. networking group. You know, I tell you, what you said about mentorship is so true. Members of my board of directors and, and people who have mentored me in business have come right out of that group. I'm so very grateful. Yeah, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it is very hard to be successful. Well, 90% of people fail. Um, you know, 90% of businesses fail. So, And there's a reason for that. And it's because people aren't prepared. And I was saying last week um, on the show that um, you, you, if you want to be a plumber, you've got to go and get a do some tests and become a get a plumber's license. If you want to drive a cab, you've got to go and get a specialty driver's license. If you want to become a businessman, you throw $1,200 at Las Vegas. Then you go out and borrow as much money as you like from anybody who wants to give it to you. And with no skills whatsoever, you go ahead and lose it. <laughs> something serious <laughs> wrong with that system but looking at education we do have a major problem don't we and we've we just don't seem to be doing anything to fix it well i don't know who the we uh, you're referring to there is i'll say that the government system in place <laughs> yeah well there's a, there are a couple of pieces aren't there so um i believe as an education reformist that education should be a local issue. So the fact that we've got this trickle down from federal to state to local and then into the school systems, um, I think is a real problem because the farther that the curriculum is based from the person who's the end user, which are these teenagers in our case, um, the more disconnect there's going to be. So that's a problem. I will say that the teachers are really, um, their hearts and souls, I was seeing on the news just yesterday, uh, teachers that are spending you know, up to five hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars out of a national average of thirty-five to forty k a year on school supplies for their students, because yeah. the the system is so very broken that these teacher the, the teachers are heroically trying to salvage something here because they're called to such a noble purpose, and you know the parents are looking around, they're confused. So, I, I really, I'm a mom of three as well as you know somebody who's been in this field for twenty years. I really feel very fortunate to have have some solutions that I can bring uh, that are finding traction, that parents are uh, discovering and embracing, and uh, that it's created, um, you know, two thriving businesses now. If you localise education too much, I'm not sure what my view on this is, if you localise education too much, don't you um, run the risk of education standards being f fragmented and, and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, <laughs> this sounds terribly something but I wouldn't like my students um, if, if I was in Seattle Washington I wouldn't want my kids being educated um, to um, standards that were set in Alabama or Louisiana 
Well, let's think about what the purpose of education is. So if we're trying to get kids a a purpose in life as well as a lucrative uh, form of employment after they graduate high school and college. In Louisiana, those kids are going to be looking at working uh, maybe out in the Gulf of Mexico on a shrimp boat, on an oil rig. Kids up in Seattle, what are they going to be doing? That there's a different economic reality that their geographic region will dictate. So the disconnect in in sort of a one-size-fits-all, whether it's a curriculum, um, you know, the standardized testing mania today, so much of uh, what my company and I do is is help kids navigate the anxiety and the pressure of um, SAT, ACT, and other testing requirements to get into most colleges. Um, And the reality is, you know, there can be incredibly strong students who just are not good test takers. There's a trend right now. Hundreds and hundreds of colleges have gone test optional. Some really good schools are now not even requiring them. So there's an actual discussion right now in in my sector about, you know, where is the appropriate location. But I would say if you've got the right teachers who are truly equipped to to do their jobs, um, trusting teachers, I would rather trust a teacher than uh, a politician any day. Yeah, but it's not really the politicians that make the curriculums. But let's 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 go back. At what age? Let's say you're down in Louisiana, and you know the kid the kid's going to grow up probably to be to work on a shrimp boat. Um, at what stage, though? I mean, we're in a global world where we've got to compete with 196 other countries to sell people stuff, to create stuff, to be more inventive, to to lead the um, um, generation of, of wealth inside our country and if we don't do that we all fail so at what stage do we turn around and say okay you've got an educational level such that you can give us better government make better decisions with regard to government you can make better decisions with regard to lifestyle choices you can make better decisions with regard to a whole bunch of things because you've been educated to this level now go and learn about how to work on a shrimp boat at what at what stage do we say, okay, you've got a broad enough general knowledge? Or you know, specific? most countries, if you look at what's going on in, in you know, Italy, for example, parts of Europe, um, elsewhere, you know, usually by the time students are in eighth grade, they've been tracked and they're either going toward trade schools and, and you know, careers like, you know, electrician work and, and plumbing and, you know, all kinds of things, you know, uh, really sure. hands-on type of uh, really, you know, respectable career paths. Um, or they're being tagged as, you know, academic and moving toward um, what we would consider to be, you know, that college track. I say, you know, it, college is not for everybody. It's so important um, that no one feel that, that the message is college is better than no college. For some people, if you're going on a shrimp boat, you know what you need to be doing? I would say by the time you're 14 or 15, you need to have an internship or an apprenticeship, and you need to be on the dang boat. <laughs> you need you to be probably, throwing nets. You, know? you, you probably need to, need be, to be able to swim, that. too. You know, swimming lessons is probably swimming a good idea. Swimming lessons is probably but, a good you know, idea. The, big, the bigger issue you're raising is the issue of outsourcing the global economy. Um, the nice thing about a shrimp boat, just to keep with our metaphor, is that you know what you can't out so you can't get you can't hire somebody in Indonesia to to get those shrimp for you when you're living in the bayou and you just want some really good jambalaya. You know, so the well, nice thing is. They, they freeze it and send it in by... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm still saying that there are going to be... There's yeah, a market no, for fresh, you know. So I, I think that... We got it. We do. We have to think um, globally. I, I'm really excited that uh, you know Gate, which is our uh, digital uh, solution that we're bringing uh, to everybody, to families who are in pain about the issue of college admissions. We're we're already um, having you know pre-sales and interest in places like Chiang Mai and, and Nairobi. So so there is such an interest. What you said is partly true, but I'm going to disagree with one thing you said. Um, we, it is true that the secondary education system here is horrendously broken on inter- international levels, all the data you said is correct. However, we are still the gold standard for universities and people from all over the world want to send their kids to the to UCLA, to NYU, to Harvard, to Columbia, and oh, so on. Yeah. It's not, so it, so there's a big disconnect there. It's really interesting, isn't it? We have, we have, you know, as you know, my son went to college in Washington, D.C., and, you know, a couple of the best colleges in the world, and... Um, you know, there's no question that at that level, with a number of colleges, it is the best education that you can possibly, I was going to say that money can buy, and that's true too. Um, mm. But 
but nevertheless, um, there's no question that at the top of the tree, we have the best education in, in the world. But once you once you take off that couple of percent at the top, it gets very ordinary very fast. Just mm. another quick question, again, which before we get around to talking about what you're doing in your business, um, how much, this is one thing that worries me a lot, how much control over the education um, curriculum do you give parents? It seems to me that I've been on a few parents committees and things and it seems to me the majority of parents all want to give their kids as little homework as possible so they don't have to supervise it and you know they, they really are not for their kids getting pushed so I worry that at the lowest common denominator in in the areas where people are not in the main educated that the, if the more say the parents have got the worse the education is going to get mm. well parents unless they have you know a background in education and they've been trained to know how to write curriculum of course they shouldn't be doing that you don't want me coming to your house and and you know fixing your appliances because i have no idea how to do that you know um, it's one of the controversies right now in homeschooling. Uh, some yeah. people feel that without a college degree that parents should not be allowed to legally educate their own kids, but of course they are. There are no laws in place that would prohibit that. You know, that's not what we're here to talk about today, but in terms of, you know, who should be creating um, that curriculum, there does have to be a standard in terms of college admissions, and unfortunately um, some kind of standardized test is going to be, I believe, a, an ongoing necessary evil, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but from the school point of view, what we really need are parents who are inspired. You know, I'll tell you something that happens. When kids are in kindergarten and first grade, out of 30 parents, 28 of them will show up with, with, with frosted cupcakes for every bake sale. And yep. then by the time kids are in high school, it's like crickets in the parking lot. There's nobody showing up. Obviously, going through teen years is more challenging. Kids are becoming independent. But right at the time when the schools need the most support and the most parents showing up, uh, it really drops down to single digits in terms of parent PTA participation in most schools. Yep. So that's a, that's a trend that I think is is concerning. You know, uh, we have to accompany these kids all the way. I talk about it in my book. I've got a book that's written for parents called Four Keys to College Admissions Success. And I talk in that book about, you know, we mustn't stop when they're 13, 14, 15, even though there's a, there's a real temptation to do that, just to say, gosh, you know, they're almost done. I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah. You know, the truth is, right when it matters most is when you need either personally or by putting, you know, somebody, you know, like, you know, Valley Prep Tutoring is my company and LA, if you're in LA, we, put, we place mentors so the parents don't have to be going, you know, loggerheads with their kids, but they yeah. will still make sure, like you said, that the, the assignments are done. Um, what those parents want to be careful about is if the child does not do homework, the kind of work that they need to do in terms of test prep, etc. Guess what? There's a big day. This is the boomerang generation, okay? Those kids are going to be living in your basement if you're not careful. Yeah. So you got to really, really get it right or you are going to be, you're going to have somebody who has a failure to launch. Yeah. The good thing, of course, about getting great education at the top schools in the country like my son has, for example, I'm thinking about moving into his basement. Perfect. I love it. Okay. <laughs> There's a certain symmetry to that, <laughs> Why are you so passionate about bringing change to the process of um, attaining access to higher education in America? What is it that drives you? Oh, I am so – thank you for asking that. I am so – frustrated as a mom um, and just as a citizen and who, you know I was raised um, by the way in the farmlands of Virginia and my dad was a patriot he was in the Navy he worked at the Pentagon okay I was raised to believe in the American dream and what I'm seeing is a gross misuse of what the education system is there to do it's become kind of a corporatocracy honestly um, the marketization the, the the people who are profiting by billions of dollars um, off of data mining every PSA test, for example. Um, Common Core, talk about the money that is being made out of a public school mandate that has been passed from the feds down to the state level. I really see so many, you said, you know, politicians don't make policy. They don't write curriculum. Listen, the, the truth is, whoever, hold, you know, he who has the gold makes the rules. So we have to be so careful about 
uh, allowing um, our our rights, you know, across the board, I would say, but certainly in the area of education. We have to not allow um, any kind of politician or policy or corporation to come in and chip away what honestly is the future of this country. Why I'm passionate, I believe in America, and I believe that every kid has a right to equal access to the potential that they could have if people don't basically screw them over, which is what's happening. Here, here, couldn't agree more. I think one of the problems is that, I don't know whether you've noticed, but it doesn't seem to matter what political party takes control of any of the um, <sighs> levels of government. Nothing changes because the bloody bureaucrats don't change and the bureaucrats aren't accountable to anybody. Yeah, and ask who's who's lobbying on Capitol Hill. Ask who's buying, you know, fat cigars and, and steak dinners who, you know, is ending up profiting, you know, off of these kids. Uh, it doesn't, it's not hard to follow um, the, the money chain. No. Um, we've had a lot of scandal in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, Superintendent D.C. got kicked out over an iPad scandal. Talk about taking taxpayer dollars and spending it on something that there wasn't even a curricular relevancy or necessity for that ended up being a total breakdown. He ends up being ousted. The next person that comes in, it's like, you know, welcome to the, you know, new boss, same as the old boss. It's like a who song, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Can yes. we please, you know, I just, I guess maybe it's my rock and roll nature too, you know, I, 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 back in the day I used to just love a little classic rock and roll and there's a part of me that just wants back to in the scream. Day, back I'm in the still, day, you I'm know. I'm still into all that. Uh, you know what? Uh, we need to crank Teenage Wasteland right now when you edit this together. <laughs> yeah. we, it's, it's honestly, you know, School's Out for Summer, Alice Cooper. When you think about Brick and the Wall, there are so many cool songs out there yeah. that describe the angst of a generation, and no one has gotten this right. And while I'm actively in this sector, and I'm so fortunate to be connected to some real people in positions to make things happen financially, investors that are coming on board, corporate sponsors that are coming on board to help these kids through what I've created. It is really encouraging because the truth is everybody's looking for a hero. They just need somebody to point and go, oh, there's a thing you can go do. Nobody knows what to do. We're just waiting for somebody to show us what can we do. So, what people don't know about you, you're a f- former Milan model, you're in the s- soap operas and, you know, that's a totally different life than being an entrepreneur and compared to Steve Jobs. How did you make that transition? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the compared to Steve Jobs thing was crazy. Nolan Bushnell uh, discovered Steve Jobs, and he said that to I me recently. I love Nolan Bushnell. And, oh, my goodness. He's, he's one of my mentors. I, I adore Nolan. He's actually building our, our mobile app. His company is building Passport to the New SAT that launches October 10th, so we're thrilled right. about that. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, having been, you know, in my 20s, um, coming off that farm, I told you about that farmland uh, background in Virginia, I didn't have a college education. I didn't know how to get into college. My parents hadn't gotten degrees. So I was 30, Bob, by the time I went to Columbia and graduated. So I, I had to go through this whole process. You know, they said, Oh, you're kind of pretty go to New York. Okay. So what do you think happens when 18 year old blonde girl comes straight off the farm up to New York city? And I don't want to think about it. Dude, I am lucky to be alive. I mean, talk about exploitation and creepy people and all kinds of weird stuff around you. And it was, you know, the early 80s, so all these drugs around and craziness. And I'm so, so, so fortunate to have come through that. But what I can tell you is this. um, Being out there in the world without a college degree, it is really easy for people to perceive you as um, not as bright as you probably are but you haven't had a chance to earn the right. You haven't had a chance to prove your, your salt and your merit. Um, people, when they meet me and they, they're like, oh, who's the blonde lady? You know, and then it can be like, oh, wait a minute, what does she do? And I'm, I'm nobody, I'm a mom, I'm just a lady, but boy, am I passionate about education. So what I'm doing, um, you know, within Gate, which is that second business you were mentioning earlier, I'm taking my experience as a screenwriter, as an actress, as somebody who understands entertainment, and I've created sort of a hybrid idea with, with the entire educational necessity that teens have. And we've created something. Um, people, if they want to look, at, just go to gatecollegesystem.com. There's my plug. So Gate College System. I was just um, going to ask you about the gate system. Yeah, that launch, it's a pretty, that launches it's a pretty in November, big, right? 
Yeah, we launched November. Um, yeah, eleven eleven is our launch for that. We're so excited. What do you anticipate um, this solution having in in terms of some of these mega corporations that you were talking about, who are currently dominating the um, testing marketplace? Well, you know, I mean, I think there's room for everybody, you know, uh, at the party. But I'll say this. Um, you know, there is no other holistic approach um, to what we're doing. Um, the big differentiator is we don't just do testing. I mean, there are seven practice SATs and seven practice ACTs in, in GATE, and that's something that's really an appeal to parents who want their kids to do this digitally, on their cell phones, on their computers, not sure. having to go back and forth to these, you know, substandard classes where they only get 100 points. You know, we average 250 to 400 points when kids go through our program on an SAT, so it's a big Big, uh, big, you know, difference. leap that is that is typical, um, and that ends up being nine out of eleven schools saying yes to them that they apply to, and it ends up being forty to fifty thousand dollars in merit aid um, based on um, the GPA we help secure, the test score we help secure, and positioning the essays properly. So, um, wow. date is date is just a huge. Um, sort of breakdown of everything they need, grades, applications, testing, and essays. That's what G-A-T-E stands for, and we cover it all. That sounds fantastic. Now, Village, I'm sorry, Valley Prep Tutoring, that was your first business, right? Yeah, and we're still in business. We're going into our third year and uh, going gangbusters, yeah. Great. Now, that serves teens all over LA now from sort of Pasadena to Malibu, right? Sure does, yeah. And it's... It, you're establishing a unique brand. It's growing like Topsy. Um, what's the relationship between uh, the two companies? Well, there is because uh, our talent pool, the educators who are populating and creating and, and appearing on camera and so forth, are my rock star team, my elite team out of Valley Prep. So the tutors that I have vetted in the field that I know are the best of the best that have the very top um, results, and my whole team is amazing, but, but I've taken the best of the best, the creme de la creme, and they are my gate team. So, um, you know, a lot of them are, you know, they're cashing two paychecks. They've got their tutoring check, and then they've got their, um, you know, their check for what they're doing with gate, which is a separate business. So what do you make out of the role that um, money plays in, in determining the options student has to fulfill what used to be the American dream? I mean, sending mm -hmm. kids through college... Um, my son's out of college by a couple of years now, but um, it's a bloody expensive exercise. And, and even finding the right high school or, or, or school um, is difficult. We went the private school route, which is one of the best private schools in the country, but unbelievably expensive. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what chance is the average kid that lives in a less affluent environment have you know i went to public school for 12 years bob and i'll tell you i turned out all right so you know I, i'm happy for i'm happy for the kids who come from um privileged families because they have an opportunity but as my grandmother said uh to whom much is given of them is much also required darling <laughs> she told yeah. me that with her little appalachian true, accent so you know when you've got privilege that's the whole trust fund baby thing right like it can go sour you've got to take what you've been given and really do something positive with that because you you, you do have i think uh, sort of a moral obligation to pay it forward. I, as somebody who came out of such an unlikely background, I mean, my, my grandmother, who had an eighth grade education, helped to raise me. She grew up on a dirt floor on the border of Tennessee and, and uh, Virginia. So to, to have her grandchild get herself into an Ivy League school, like, I don't even know what the odds are of that, but I did feel that I had a responsibility to, to reach out to people who grew up like I did um, in families that just didn't know what they didn't know, and to try to help everybody. So that's really Gates' yeah. mission, is to offer equal access, and that's why I'm so excited about your business owners and, and friends who are going to be listening to this, because there's an opportunity to actually make a difference through corporate sponsorship and get a great tax break at the same time. Yeah, I, th I think one of the things, well, probably possibly one of the differences with you is that... Um, you know, I know you, and you are bloody smart. You are not one of the average ducks out there like most of us that go and work hard and succeed because we work hard. You are bloody smart. So, oh, thank um, you, Bob. The fact that you made it from 
um, farmland to um, degrees and, and success doesn't mean that many other people can do that. Um, so... But they can. They can. Here's the thing. You have to equip someone. I love that saying about, you know, give a man a fish versus teach a man to fish. I believe that, that education and what we do in Gate, what we do at Valley Prep, by, by teaching students how to think, not just here, pass this test. We're very philosophical. We're very, you know, again, I, I hate to use that word holistic. It sounds like I'm going to go hug a tree. But, but, but we're very... So well, you know, there's a, there's a passion when, when you connect this, when you honestly think about potentially a, a teacher touches eternity. Who knows? I mean, we have one student who's going to Johns Hopkins with this big scholarship. He's going to be a doctor. I mean, that, who knows how many lives that kid is going to save that would yeah. not have been possible if he had not gotten $200,000 worth of free education from working with these, these uh, you know, proven kinds of strategies. So it, it's huge. The, the, the ripple effect, I can't even, if I think about that, I won't even be able to function. I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. But I know that we're onto something absolutely huge, which is why, you know, people are comparing us to, to major companies. I mean, I think we are really about to, to launch something really big here. So what's the best way for parents and potential investors and scholarship sponsors and all the other people that you need behind you to reach you? Um, how, do, how does somebody get in touch with you? Thank you. Uh, you know what, everybody, listen up. I, I hate this part because it sounds so, you know, reach me. At, you know, I'm an actual person, guys. I'm just going to be really real. Um, we could use some corporate sponsorships. So right. if that's you, here's how you reach me. Pamela at gatecollegesystem.com. Shoot me an email. It's, it's going to be me responding. It won't, I won't send you off to my staff. We'll have a chat. Hey, what's up? Keep it very real. Um, let's see what we can do to help these kids. Um, and then, yeah, we're still, we have some Series A investments still available. We are estimated ROI. I won't even say because it's nuts. Um, but uh, First Money's already in, and we're, we're rolling. Uh, we're doing great with that. Um, and, yeah, if you're in L.A. and your kid is trying to you know, get through high school and position for college, valleyprep.tutoring.com, you'll learn about the company. Okay, so that's Pamela at Gate, G-A-T-E, collegesystem.com. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or just send me an email here at um, the radio show or to bob at bobpritchard.com. And I see Pamela regularly. In fact, I believe we're going out to dinner shortly. Is that right? I hope so. I get to see your wife, Margie, who I absolutely love. And, uh, yeah, my husband thinks you're awesome. So, you guys, the two of them, everybody, you should hear my husband, Simon, and Bob. When they start, they start off Australian, and by the time they're done, it's like Crocodile Dundee on steroids. I don't, you, <laughs> you guys just egg each other on so bad. It's so funny. So, thank you, Pamela. <laughs> Pamela Donnelly doing great stuff with education here in Los Angeles in particular, but soon to be all over the place. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, broadcast every week on Voice America Business Channel. We've been on air now for a bit over four years, and uh, this is the place to come if you're an entrepreneur or in any level of management in business. This is the show for you. We uh, try to provide a little bit of education every week to make running your business and the decisions you have to make a little bit easier and see if we can reverse the number of businesses that fail. So as I mentioned last week, I'm sure that at one time or another, we all have wished that we had the power to be more persuasive with people and to get people to do what you want. 
and preferably without them realising that you've persuaded them. Well, we uncovered 11 science-backed strategies for getting people to like you, to buy your stuff and to give you what you're after. So um, all of these 11 strategies will leave you more powerful and uh, definitely lead to you getting more business. Last week, we discussed six strategies, the decoy option, tweaking the environment, helping somebody with something to elicit a favour, copying the person's body language, speaking quickly, and the disruptive and reframing technique. Now, if you missed that last week, you can go to bobpritchard.com, go to the navigation bar, click on radio, and it will have last week's show and all of the other 200-plus shows all there for you to listen to at your convenience. So today we're going to tackle the five final techniques. And this is designed to get people to like you, to buy your stuff, and to give you what you're after. So it's all good. Strategy number seven is to ask people for favours when they're tired. Get them to cooperate. When people are tired, they don't, uh, they're not as alert and Therefore, they don't express some of the doubts. So somebody who's tired or distracted will likely be less critical and will accept more of what you say as being true. So, so let's say you're planning to ask a co-worker to help you out on a project that'll supposedly take an hour. Ask them at the end of the day. That way, you know, they're, they're tired from the day's tasks and won't have the mental energy to realise that the project will probably take up more of their time than you're perhaps suggesting. Strategy number eight is to display an image of eyes to get people to behave ethically. It's really amazing that um, studies have demonstrated that you're more likely to clean up. People are more likely to clean up after themselves in a cafeteria, for example, when they see a notice that says clean up but also have um, an image of eyes. So if you have, make sure you clean up after you and an image of eyes and people will clean up. Um, it does suggest to their subconscious that they're under scrutiny and therefore they do what they're supposed to do. So it doesn't matter whether you're trying to prevent littering or encourage people to return the books they borrow from the office library. It helps to give people the impression that they're being watched. Strategy number nine is to use nouns instead of verbs to get people to change their behaviour. Um, studies uh, demonstrate that when people are asked, say, two versions of the same question, let's say the first one is, how important is it for you to vote in tomorrow's election? That's one way you can say it. And the second way is to say, how important is it for you to be a voter? in tomorrow's election. Results show the participants referred to as a voter were much more likely to cast their ballots. So it's because people are driven by the need to belong and using a noun reinforces their identity as a member of the specific group, in this case, voters. Strategy number 10 is to scare people to give them what you need. Research suggests that people who experience anxiety and then a sense of relief usually respond positively to requests afterwards. For example, people who heard an invisible, a policeman's whistle, couldn't see the policeman but heard the whistle while walking across the road, were more likely to agree to complete a questionnaire than people who didn't. Strategy number 11, focus on what your bargaining power partner is gaining to get them to agree to your offer. So rather than emphasising to your partner what they're going to lose or talk about what they're going to gain, for example, if you're trying to sell a car, you say, I'll give you my car for $1,000 instead of I want $1,000 for the car. That way you'll persuade your partner to see things from a different perspective and they'll be much more likely to concede. So to recap, the sixth strategy we discussed last week was the decoy option, tweaking the environment, helping somebody with something to elicit a favour, copying the person's body language, speaking quickly and disrupting the framing technique. So 
Make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter and the radio show summary, which is set out to over 16,000 business executives in 60 countries every month. Thank you for joining us for today's show, and we look forward to joining us again next week. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope, if you're not standing on the edge, you're taking up just far too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Aim high. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.